What's up everybody, this is Elliot Terrell, and you're listening to Magical Thinking, brought to you by artofmagic.com. As you know, I was in Columbus, Ohio this weekend for MagiFest, and I got a chance to sit down with a good friend of mine, Ryan Plunkett. He's a great magician from Chicago, and in the episode we talk a little bit about the scene in Chicago, what it's like to work at the Chicago Magic Lounge, we talk about his creations and some of the work that he's published and is about to publish, and we also talk about his part-time job that he's doing right now, which is working at Suit Supply, which is my biggest recommendation for anybody out there looking for a really nice, affordable suit. So we recorded this the morning after the convention, and (laughs) we're dead. We're absolutely dead. This is also a shorter episode just because, one, we were very exhausted, which I think it'll be fun for you guys to hear what it's like to live in the aftermath of a magic convention, especially if you've never been. And also just to hear what it's like for two guys who know each other, who are friends, to sit down and talk for a little bit. I know you're really going to enjoy getting to know Ryan. If you haven't already, follow us on all the social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, search Magical Thinking Podcast, and search Art of Magic. You'll find us. As always, let me know what you think by emailing podcast at Art of Magic. Some of you who have emailed me, and I really appreciate it, I may not have gotten back to you. As I said, I've been traveling a lot, but... I've definitely read your emails, and I intend to respond, and I, again, thank you so much for sending them in. Anyway, enjoy this laid-back, very conversational, exhausted episode of the podcast. Ryan's great. You should check him out and his notes that he just put out, and I'll see you on the other side. Enjoy. My teacher in in middle school. Put your damn cards down, Ryan. My high school teacher used to collect cards, my my, uh, drama teacher. Yeah. Every time I would shuffle cards in class, he would just take them and start a collection in his drawer. Mm-hmm. At the end of the year, I could get them back. Mm-hmm. So he'd hand me back like a crate of cards at the end of every year. <laughs> That's fine. I used to wrestle my teacher's jimmies with my playing cards, too. <laughs> I would... Uh, so yesterday we saw Jamie Swiss do his lecture. And, mm-hmm. you know, in it he does the card stab thing into the deck when he throws a card. Yeah. And he bounces it up off the... Had. I used to do that walking down the hall at, in high school. I would throw it at the bottom of the door and bounce it up, and it would skip up into into the classroom. Into the classroom. That's awesome. <laughs> As I was walking by, not being in class. Yeah, I don't think I ever went to class in high school. Yeah, I think I went to two, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. I'm the the most goody two shoes person when it comes to school. I don't ever skip class didn't ever skip class i always did i was in this weird position of like both being a student and an employee of the district what what does that mean well i worked in the theater so i had like a master set of keys to my high school oh so it's like if my teachers were late to class i would just open the door and go sit in the classroom (laughs) we would we would go into the principal's office and like move you know those those greeting cards where you open them up and they play like really obnoxious music yeah. We would take those and we would throw them behind really heavy filing cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> so they'd come in for work and they just don't know where this like awful sound is coming from all day. That's funny. So yeah, I was never in class. Did you go hang out in the theater? Yeah, sometimes we would skip and we would play. We had this giant projector in the auditorium. Yeah. So we would just go play movies in the middle of the day. And we're like, oh, we have to go work on a show. And skip and go watch like Batman in the, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> in the theater. I did. I skipped a couple classes and I went to the band room. Did you do marching band? Yeah, I was, I was, I was in marching hard. band. You played sax? No, I was a drummer. 
You were no, you weren't. I was. I was. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad. That makes sense. My dad's also a drummer. Okay. So I grew up when we played drums together. I'm like, I'm gonna quit drums and do magic. And <laughs> just a tear goes down his face. <laughs> like he was always drumming like, is cool. Magic is not cool. No, it can be cool, right? <laughs> can it? I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. It's funny. My dad was always like, I played baseball for like eight years when I was a kid. Yeah. And my dad was always the coach. Yeah. So I was the kid whose dad was the coach. Isn't every kid's dad the coach? Aren't there like 14 coaches? <laughs> always. Yeah. Okay. But then I'm like, I'm going to quit baseball and do magic. And she's like, oh, what, what happened? What happened to you? <laughs> what did I do wrong? <laughs> what did he, where did we go wrong? That's really funny. How did, so how did you get into magic? What did you decide to do? Uh, what changed your mind? Changed my mind? Well, how did you get the bug? Whatever the right phrase is to say, how did you do it? (laughs) 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 Well, it's like, I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint like an exact time, right? Because I was was like five years old and I got some magic kit. I guess like that's where the bug started. Mm -hmm. But where does... I don't know if that's like a false memory or if that's like actually what happened. Yeah. I just have this memory in my mind of like getting a magic kit and then just being obsessed from the age of five but nobody's really like a magician at the age of five right we're yeah. just like enthusiastic kids with toys yeah you're right it's like i have these these plastic props i am magic but it's like that's not how that works yeah <laughs> so when i was in mid- i think some people at this convention would disagree with you <laughs> <laughs> well they're entitled to that i guess yeah um but when i was in middle school I my dad started taking me to magic conventions. Yeah. So like that's kind of where it's steamrolled, right? So so when when how did it change from being a drummer and playing baseball to magic tricks and then your dad being supportive? What brought him around? He he's was just never a, like he's just a good dad. It. Yeah, he's just a great dad. That's so cool. it's like we'd always call it like the boys weekend when we go to uh the TAOM. Do you know the TAOM? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So like that was yeah. Where you grew up in? I grew up in Dallas or Dallas. right outside of Dallas. It's um, so funny. We were so close together. <laughs> the worlds apart. <laughs> Single tier. One tier. False time my face. So anyway, you go to TUM. Yeah. So we'd go to TUM. I was probably in like the sixth, seventh grade or something. And so he's like, "Okay, if you do good in school, we'll go to the conference." So every year I'm just. The best part was it was at the beginning of the year, so it's like I only had to be good for like a month, right? Because <laughs> it's Labor Day weekend every year. So we would go, and I would just be in awe of like all of the things I was seeing. Yeah. You know, like as a kid, I, I know Danny would always go to those conferences, and I'm just like, holy shit, I'm this child, and I'm just <laughs> like, I'm seeing magic. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. So then, like, the more you go to those kinds of things, the more you're like submerged in it just kind of takes root yeah takes root and then in high school i started what was it that took root just magic or what like what was it that was drawing you in what interesting things were you seeing and like i don't know that's hard because as i was like i was a really hyper kid Mm -hmm. super hyper massive adhd you know it's on medication for it but magic was like the one thing that I could like sit down and focus on. It was the one thing that could like reel me in. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know. I still struggle with like why I do magic. Like that's still a question I'm trying to answer. Yeah. It's something I love. And yeah. 
could I would not be the same without it. But it's hard. It's still hard for me to like pinpoint what it is I'm like obsessed about. Mm-hmm. You know, like a deck of cards, right? It's endlessly fascinating. It's like a puzzle. It's just a, an endless puzzle. It can represent anything. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know if I have the right answer. Well, so what it. were you gonna say? It went on uh, to baseball and yeah. So. So we went to the conventions, and then in high school, I started working at uh, Magic Etc. in Fort Worth. It's a magic shop down there. It's a great shop, huge. And um, I showed up one day, and I th- the other demonstrator had just quit like that day. Mm-hmm. And so the owner was like, do you want a job? I go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, okay, start working. How old are you? Uh, I was sophomore in high school okay so you're like 16 yeah i was super young i I had just started driving and so i'm like sure he's like okay go start working so i just get behind the camera i'm like what do i do he's like work i don't know work (laughs) i'm like okay (laughs) so it's like a 16 year old kid running this like magic section and it's a big section you know they had like they had big display cases with a ton of crap (laughs) And so it's just trying to, to figure out what I was doing. And then over time, I got more and more confident. That was a great testing ground, you know? Yeah. Like, a lot of my materials spawned out of that. How so? At that time. Well, because I'm always around it. You you see all of... Well, one, working at a magic shop, you see all of the crap on the market, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, don't buy that, don't buy that. That sucks. And then you see these, like, little gems, mm-hmm. right? Like, I became obsessed with just, like, the the magic shop staples like the Svengali deck and the stripper deck. I'm like, everybody knows them, but do people actually like use them well? Mm-hmm. They tend not to, right? Yeah. <sighs> What's this? Svengali deck, stripper deck. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And it kind of just blossomed from there. I'm, And then, uh, so I graduated... <laughs> I'm, I go off on tangents. I don't know what I talk about. Do the tangents, but maybe we should tell the listeners we just like. It's been a long weekend. It's been a long weekend. We're at Magi Fest in Ohio, and it's I'm, I'm it's kicked our patooties. Yeah, I got very little sleep. <laughs> <laughs> very very little. Yeah. So, anyway, anyway. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then you what what made you want to like commit to it fully, or was there something? So yeah, in high school when I was working in that shop, I was still doing gigs. I was uh, I had a uh, a regular gig at a, a baseball stadium. I was doing magic. Um, it was an <laughs> independent. Yeah, it was weird. What? <laughs> it was a weird. It was an independent league baseball stadium. Okay. Uh, they're called the Air Hogs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, sh- I shit you not. Um, but I would go there, so I would work from I don't know, like ten to five at the magic shop. Yeah. Then I would drive over to the stadium. And I would do walk around, uh, and I'm still young at this point. I would do walk around in like the kids area before the game started. Mm-hmm. Then when the game started, I would go do magic up in the the suites. Yeah. So I'd go from suite to suite and do like ten minute shows. So maybe there's family up there, like business people up there. I would go do shows for them. Then at the end of the game, I would go. They had this great sports bar, mm-hmm. really really great sports bar, and I would go do magic out in the sports bar until. I don't know, 11 midnight, maybe yeah. one in the morning. 
It was really weird. I guess in Texas, you can kind of get away with that, right? You're the 16-year-old working, doing magic in a sports bar. Like, where else can Nobody you... cares in Texas. Yeah, nobody gives a... Nobody gives. Nobody gives a... <laughs> nobody, nobody gives a shit. There you go. Nobody gives a shit. That's the word you were missing. Yeah. So, so it was great. So I did... I performed a lot. A lot. Um, and then I went to call... It's hard because magic was a job at that point. Yeah. Now I was still a kid, but magic was like a job. Yeah. You know, I would wake up at 10 in the morning and I would do magic until midnight, one in the morning. I'd go home and I'd do the same thing the next day, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I, I'd also did like theater in high school and band. Mm-hmm. And so when I made a choice to go off to, to school, to college, like, okay, I'll do the theater thing. And so I went... I got a degree in uh, theatrical lighting design. Yeah. Great. And at that point, those four years, uh, I lived in Oklahoma City. And I kind of... When did you move to Oklahoma? For school. Oh, for you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for school. And so at that point, I wasn't performing as much. You know, I was focusing on like... Because that school kept us so busy. We would do so many shows. And Mm -hmm. so I was just overwhelmed, right? So I still studied magic, but I didn't really perform it much. I kind of put it aside, you know... Still practicing every day. Still loved it. But there wasn't a whole lot of time left in the, in the week. Yeah. That's so funny that that's your experience. When I was in college, I, it was the opposite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I was performing way more in college. Yeah, I always feel like I have the, the reverse experience. Right? Yeah. But it was great because at that point, like in Oklahoma City, that's where I met Lance Pierce. And that's where I met uh, a bunch of those guys. And my I think my senior year of college was the first pebble. And so it was in Oklahoma City that year. So I just drove 10 minutes to the hotel. And it was just this unbelievable conference. It was amazing. It was unbelievable. Unreal. Yeah. Like it was the most fun I had ever had at a get together. Yeah. That's where I met you. Yes. That's where I met. uh, Oh, man. Everybody was there. Ricky was there. Ricky was there. Tony. Tyler was there. Tony. Tyler. Yeah. Uh. Rebel that's where I met Michael. Feldman. Yeah. Feldman and I just became like best of friends. Yeah. <laughs> what? He just he cracks me up every <laughs> time. He's great. You guys you guys worked on a thing together. We worked on a thing together. I don't know if I should say much about it, but we Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well it's not it's not done yet. We've been working on it for like four So hype it up. Hype it up. Yeah. I'm not a hype man. Uh yeah, so we we wrote a book together. Mm-hmm. We've been trying to get it made for a while. Uh, we've worked on it for like four or five years because we started at like the first or second pebble Mm -hmm. and we had, yeah, he, I had not known of you Mm -hmm. and he's like, you gotta see Ryan do stripper work. And I'm like, really? And he's like, it's fucking amazing. (laughs) Okay, cool. And then you blew my mind. Yeah. So we, I showed him something and it sparked this, this conversation He's like, oh, well, what if you did this? What if you did this? And we went back and forth that whole conference. Mm-hmm. And then I, I sat down at the end of that and I, I, I like listed all of the material I could think of that I had been playing with on that Feldman sat down and we started writing the book together, you know, and it, Feldman's a lawyer. So that man is already busy. So to get him <laughs> to try to commit to write a book took years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very hard process because I'm just this enthusiastic kid at the point. Mm hmm. And he's just this lawyer, you know, it's very different. <laughs> and so trying to do that was just like 
like, hey, have you have you ridden anything? No. <laughs> okay, well, I've ridden a little bit. Can you look <laughs> at it? Okay, give me a couple days. Yeah. And so it was just this long process. But I don't regret it. It was a great time. And I'm really proud of the work, you know? Yeah. Magic Inc. is putting it out. And so cool. hopefully it should be done in a couple months. Uh, I don't know what their process yeah. is like. I don't know how long it normally takes. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm really pumped. I'm really pumped. Yeah. It'll be but, cool to share it. Yes, I think so. There's some really cool stuff in there. I'm really excited. Unlike the notes that you just put out. I did. I just put out some notes. They all suck. <laughs> <laughs> They're awful. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're awesome. And I enjoyed reading them throughout the process. Yeah, you were you were a great help. I would Thanks. always send you the write-ups and be like, okay, something doesn't read well, or like, this sucks. I don't know how to explain this. And you're like, oh, well, it's this. And it's just like this eloquent two sentence. I'm just like, Kyle, you said it so well in two sentences, and I try to do it in like a page. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was super what, helpful. Tell everybody what they're about, just because I think they're cool. Yeah, so when we had finished writing the, uh, the book Feldman I wrote, when we had finished that, We've been trying to get it made for a couple years. It's it's taken for anybody who's trying to write a book. It is hard. Yeah, the process is hard. It's long. It's drawn out. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I imagine there are a lot of books that get started and never finished. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because the process is so daunting. Yeah. You know, you have to find some unless you're doing like a self-published route, right? Yeah. But if you're trying to like get somebody to make a thing for you, it's like a huge leap of faith. Yeah. So when we were in that period of trying to get it made, I'm like, okay, well, I have this old, like all of this old material that I haven't done anything with in years, you know, Mm -hmm. it's stuff that I'm really proud of, but it's stuff that I kind of moved away from. And so it was nice to find, I wanted to find some closure in that material, right? So in that span of time, I think it took me like nine or 10 months to write them. Mm -hmm. Still a long time. Yeah. Um, But it's... It's stuff I wanted to to put into words and then share. Well, yeah. what kind of material is it? Why did you move away from it? So the material is all stuff. Uh, so the notes are called some assembly required, and it's all material that you have to to make. So everything in the in the pamphlet is is a, a trick that you have to actively make. Mm-hmm. Um, so like one of the tricks in there is a, it's just the game Pac Man, but as a card trick. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so it's this like quirky material and it's stuff that I had kind of moved away from doing because I uh, I developed a lot of that when I was working at the magic shop I could I could sit down and make these crazy gimmicks and and just leave them at the shop so when somebody would walk and be like look at this you know <laughs> but it's not stuff that I, I walk around with or like fill my pockets with at a gig mm-hmm. it's just like a fun exploration of things right and so I, I wrote all those up um, just in the downtime, because it's like, okay, well, I want to start learning how to share, because I, I, I'm not not good at sharing my material. Mm-hmm. And so it was a way of me being able to put it all down and handing it off, you know? Yeah. I was never crazy about, like, the download scene or, or like, the, the one-trick DVDs. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, I don't feel like that fit me. Yeah. Yeah, what was the question? uh what kind of materialism why do you move away from it yeah so i moved away from it not because it's bad material did you just kind of grow out of it i I grew out of it for sure grew out of it yeah 
Um, and some of the stuff I like, I, the first thing in the book I still do is yeah. this, this surreal, like it's, it, it incorporates both like sight and feel and sound. Yeah. So it incorporates all these senses and it's, it's still one of the tricks I do a lot. I was doing it a little bit this weekend. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I moved away from it because I wanted to explore other paths. Yeah. And I felt like if I was still retaining this material, like holding on to it, like keeping it sacred. Yeah. I couldn't find closure in it and then move on and like explore other topics. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like with the, uh, the book Feldman and I wrote, we obsessed over that for so long. Yeah. That it became everything I was doing. Mm-hmm. And it took over every facet. Every time I had an idea, I was just trying to apply it to that thing. Yeah. Right. But now it's writing it all down and saying, okay, I've done that. Yeah. I can, I can give up that space in my brain for something mm-hmm. else. I can try something else. I can apply yeah. all of that brain power to maybe this idea or that mm-hmm. idea. And so right now I'm in this position, uh, I'm performing a lot, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to explore different routes. Mm-hmm. And see like what? It's hard to say right now, um, like because I, I work in Chicago mm-hmm. doing, uh, I work in a lounge, and so like a burlesque lounge or a, it's a magic lounge. <laughs> you know? What does that mean? It's, it's Most like, people have never been to a magic lounge. What is? Yeah, that? it's like a, it's, it's a, it's like a retro bar, like a prohibition era bar, mm-hmm. right? And it's just for magic. So we have uh, bar magicians, we have table workers. It's the Chicago Magic Lounge. We have. Uh, we have a featured act every night. We have a headliner every night. Mm-hmm. Um, we're uh, on some nights. We do the bar. Some nights we do like a formal close-up set mm-hmm. for like a small group of like forty or fifty people. And so my material had really—it's starting to go toward this because at a table, if I have six minutes with somebody, you know, I can't do <laughs> the Pac-Man trick. Yeah, I can't do these long, long drawn-out yeah. tricks. Yeah. So my my material has to be quick. It has to be visual or it has to mm-hmm. it has to hit the points i want to hit and then i have to be able to move on yeah you know and you're also performing more formally now mm-hmm. as well yeah um i've seen pictures of you doing the close-up show mm-hmm. yeah, it's a 30 minute show yeah and that's super awesome that that's a luxury most people don't get right yeah. it's it's i'm sure this i've never been to the castle which is my dark secret <laughs> right i need to get out there uh but i'm sure it's very much like working the close-up room there mm-hmm. you know it's this luxury you have. You're you're standing in front of a felted table with with fifty people who came to see magic, right? There's yeah. no there's no breaking the barrier down. There's there's no uh, hard environment. Like yeah. it's people are there to see magic and w- to see you do well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's no icebreakers. There's no like, oh, did you drop this coin? Is this, is this anybody? <laughs> did somebody lose a pocket knife? Black pocket? What about a white pocket knife? There's none of that, right? <laughs> People came to see you do magic. Yeah. So that's like a huge luxury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> I don't know. Restaurants always like working restaurants. It's like, excuse me. I know you're eating right now, but <laughs> can you watch me do these? That's, what, that's what Piff said. And when I talked to him, mm-hmm. he's like, you're a professional, <laughs> professional interrupter. Yeah. That's all you do. Yeah. I know you came here to enjoy your night out with your, your wife and you're eating this fancy meal, but let me interrupt that <laughs> so I can show you a I sandwich have, trick. I have this deck of cards. Don't pay attention to your steak. Pay attention to this sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's funny. <laughs> You're a funny guy. 
Nobody knows who you are. Who are you? You're Ryan. I'm Ryan. You're an upstart young guy from Chicago. I'm a young buck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What I what I like about you is that um, we share this uh, lack of entitlement that I find in some younger magicians. Yeah. Which is nice. <laughs> yeah. I try not to to feel like I'm owed anything. Yeah. I feel like some young guys, they have a cool thing and it, it consumes them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's their everything. Yeah. It's like, look how cool this thing I did is. Worship me. Yeah. And I just, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that. That's why I like Feldman a lot because he, <laughs> he kind of pokes fun at that in his magic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's got this weird, uh, this persona. Yeah. Where it's like, I am God, I am everything. Look at this. But you know he's just so full of shit. I am amazing. That's like every amazing. other line in his Adam Feldman, yeah. <laughs> in a trick that he does. Yeah. Yeah. I try to I try to be at least a little humble. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. Check that one off the list. <laughs> Mark it. Um, something I talk about every once in a while is like how people don't have a place to be bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like when they're getting into magic, they don't know. They don't have open mics. Like, you know, a magician could go to a comedy open mic, mm-hmm. but that's that's awful. <laughs> and it's also not the same because like... It's not the same. You know, in, in magic, there's no... Uh, it's kind of understood that if you're going to be in comedy, you're going to do your own stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get called out if you're not doing your own stuff. Yeah. And that doesn't like, happen here. Same with, like, rap. Right? If you if somebody oh, finds really? out... Right? Like, if somebody finds out that you have a ghostwriter, then it's... Uh-huh. Then it's, like, taboo. Oh, okay. I think. I don't know. I... Well, I don't know Okay. Anything. All right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, it's com- same with a lot of things, but comedy is the thing that I mm-hmm. most closely associate with magic. Um, as far as like getting into it and things that we should do. Yeah, but in magic, you have like the standards, right? Yeah. It's like everybody does the, the twisting of the aces. I do the twisting of the aces. I do too. You know? But in uh, what are the standards? I, I'm sure there are standards in comedy, right? Well, there's like, but yeah. So those things are premises mm-hmm. and like there are ways to do premises that are hack. Yeah. Like hackneyed ways to present a joke, just like if you did an original or not original, but the original Mm -hmm. presentation for a trick, you're just basically copying. I mean, and it's, I get it because it's different because there's um, a lot more comedians than Mm -hmm. magicians. I actually, I don't know that that's true. Uh, but there's a lot more. There are a lot of magicians out there. I, well, and that's the thing is like you know how do you define magician? <laughs> <laughs> Where, yeah. So you know, but I mean like, um, it's just a. Now I've lost my train of thought. Um, it's been a long weekend, man. It has been a long weekend. Should we talk about the weekend? Yeah. Hold on. Let me try and finish this thing. Let me salvage it. Um, it's uh. Sometimes if I just start talking, it'll just come out. If I mm-hmm. just like, ah! and then it, uh, sometimes it doesn't. And, 
So that's what I'm trying to do right now. Let's just make it happen. Make it happen, man. Now we're getting further and further away from it. Um, I think what we were talking about is... See, that's another trick. I think what we were talking... And then just like... And then it didn't come out. So let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, let's talk about the weekend. What was your favorite thing? Uh, I really loved Eric Mead's talk. I really loved uh, seeing Ben Earl Mm -hmm. perform. Just unreal talent. Yep. You know? Just pure talent. I really love seeing Eric Mead perform. I did too. I did too. He had he had a great he was talking about uh, mental pictures and it's like what's your magic movie? Yeah. And that's something I had really never like put into to mm-hmm. words or thoughts. But it was a great idea. It's you visualize the arc of your trick. It's like what's the beginning, what's the middle, what's the end? Like yeah. what is the trick? Yeah. You just sit down, close your eyes, and imagine it. Mm-hmm. Right, and what then, does it look like? What does it look like? What is your mental movie? What is your magic yeah. movie? And that was great. That's great advice. Yeah. That's something I'll take away for sure. Yeah. The Ben Earl lecture was amazing. It was it's unreal. Got, it's got great stuff on movement and, and <clears throat> psychology and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's all like, uh, you know, great things about conventions are that you hear all these different uh, approaches mm-hmm. that are mostly contextually different. You know, yeah. So like, Eric Mead would not do any of the stuff that Ben Earl did. Totally. But that doesn't mean that one is better than the other. Yeah. You know. No, for sure. And it's it's interesting because we all perform in such different environments. Yeah. Like no one person has the exact same uh, environment that they perform in. Mm-hmm. Like I perform in a lounge. Um, some people perform in bars. Some people perform in restaurants. Some people perform. For children, sometimes. on the street in theaters, yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's it's nice to say uh, that's a really great approach to that situation. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. everybody brings these unique approaches because when we're in our hometowns and when we're on the daily grind, you know, you kind of live in your bubble. Yeah. Right. You you see things directly outside of your bubble, maybe. Mm-hmm. But the great thing about coming to conferences is is getting to see these like vastly different approaches that mm-hmm. you like stuff that you haven't had the time to think about. There's just not enough time. Right. Yeah. So it's nice to see something because Eric, me has been working on the three fly for how long years, decades, yeah. decades. So it's nice to see like such deep thinking in one thing. Mm-hmm. Cause he talked for what an hour and a half on the three fly. Yeah. And my jaw was just on the floor the whole time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's cool. It was nice seeing an approach. Yeah. And the, like be- the best part for me is finding things that cross over. So even though this is for super informal performance, you know, just amongst friends, and this is like a formal approach, mm-hmm. you know, finding those things that cross over that you can sort of commandeer for yourself, you know, that's what, that's what originality is, is it's not creating ideas and creating methods. It's, mm-hmm learning and understanding what's right for yourself you have to know who you are so that when you see this other stuff you can go oh okay how how can like i always like to think that if you're not an interesting person then there's no way you can be an interesting magician Mm -hmm. you know like if you don't have any like if magic is all you do Mm -hmm. then what else can you draw from you know like i try i I still do theater you know I, i i work in theaters all over chicago uh and i don't want to give that up you know like that 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 rounds me as a person and as a performer, Mm -hmm. you know, I can draw on these experiences when I do my magic. 
right? Or drumming, playing an instrument. You know, you should do multiple things because that's all going to influence your magic. Yeah. No. Not just the experience of it, but the knowledge of it, the practice mm-hmm. of it. You get a, a different sense. Your your eyes are open to a different way to think about the thing that you love or the thing that you do. You know, uh, like in music, you you know you, you get better understanding timing and understanding mm-hmm. like where the beats are and what 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 is an important moment and how mm-hmm. to crescendo your magic. Or oh yeah, that that's kind of massively successful. Like that's it's yeah. very very important. I think my favorite thing was the gala show last night, which was Mike Caveney, Tina Leonard, and Rob Zabrecki. Rob Zabrecki, yeah. Who showed up out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I love him. Yeah. He's everybody's favorite for good reason. I'm sure you've seen him a bunch of times, more yeah. than I have. Yeah. I saw him do his one-man show in Chicago when he came through town. Mm-hmm. And it was just... It was kind of a religious experience for me, <laughs> just because somebody because Rob is one of those people who is wholly unique. He is he is him. Yeah, you know, I'm sh- he's got influences, I'm sure. But when you see him, you don't think, oh, that's a great, you know, impression of this guy. Or like, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. he is very much a character, and he mm-hmm. lives within that world of his character, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it, he he toned it down a little bit for this show. For this show, yeah, for the. You saw some of the the darker bits get left on the the cutting room floor. So yeah, some of the darker. My favorite thing in that is what you leaned over to me and said, "Oh, he didn't do the tarp." Yeah, the is, tarp is the. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to burn this bit because you you need to see Rob perform if you've never seen him. But he does this trick, and I've seen it I've seen with it. and without the preamble, basically. Mm-hmm. And with the preamble, the trick is you know thousand times funnier mm-hmm. and like maybe not mm-hmm. necessarily more impossible but it just it's a more complete picture it's very theatrical yes i love the way he he bookends his but it's very dark and you can't it's very, you, know, very you dark. can't do that in some places yeah i like the way he bookends his magic yeah you know like he so say he's doing these five things mm-hmm. his his lead-ins and his lead outs and his transitions are the hardest thing in magic, in my opinion, is transitions. Mm-hmm. How to get from one thing to the next, right? How to make it as natural as possible, how to make it flow. And he is just a master at it. Yeah. You know, he'll go out of one thing right into the next, and you never feel like momentum stops or mm-hmm. like you change pace. Yeah. It's just it, it flows. Yeah. It's, it's inspiring. Yeah. It's super great. It's like, and, and I probably would attribute this, I didn't know we were going to you know talk about rob but i probably would attribute attribute that to him being a musician and Mm -hmm. like performing on stage in front of people and like what do you do between songs Mm -hmm. you can't just you can't just just stand there you're not you're not (laughs) literally playing the album where you fade out and then fade into the next thing you know it's like a it's a live experience it's a live experience and you have to you're not just playing the the tracks off the album you're doing an act Mm mm-hmm uh, yeah, he's incredible. Amazing. You got to see him. You got to see him perform. Well, I'll plug him any day. Yeah. Any day. Um, I didn't buy a set of cups and balls this year, so that was a plus. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to tell the story? Yeah. <laughs> I do, kind of. Okay. So last year at Magi Fest, mm-hmm. we're walking around the dealer's room uh, and rings and things. Who's we? It was me and you. It was me and you. 
And Rings and Things just has the best booth of all of the shiniest props, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I am obsessed with the cups and balls. Yeah. Right? I have, like, four sets already, like, more than anybody needs. And then we walk over, and I'm just, like, eyeballing these cups all weekend. I'm just like, oh, I love these. These are they're great weight. These are great size. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I mean, you should get them. You should get them. You're like, no, I don't. I can't spend that money. I, I can't spend that much money. You're like, no, 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 get them, get them. Here, how about this? This is exactly what you said. I'll never forget it. You said, here, <laughs> you buy the cups you want to buy, and I'll buy the cups I want to buy. So I'm like, that sounds like a great idea. All right, we're in this together. It's a team effort. We're both making a bad choice. <laughs> and and I talked the guy down fifty bucks. You did. So I got a deal on them, which is great. So I hand over my cash. I have this shiny new set. I go, all right, Elliot, it's your turn. And you just go, uh, nope. And you <laughs> walked away. <laughs> <laughs> so there I am holding real expensive cups and you just, I'm just by myself again. <laughs> Do you regret it? No, I love those cups. I know. But I was so mad at you. <laughs> you, you just enabled and then wandered away. <laughs> yep. Oh, man, that was one of my great triumphs. <laughs> that goes up there next to making David buy a suit. <laughs> oh, that was a good time. I want to hear that story. Huh? I want to hear that story. You want to hear that story? I do, actually. Uh, if it's anything the same. It's exactly the same. We went to... Uh, this is when I was moving out to San Diego from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I drove through Houston, which is a little bit out of the way, but that's where my best friend was living at the mm-hmm. time. And... Drove out there, and there's a suit supply in mm-hmm. Houston. And uh, I'm like, hey, man, I'm really, I want to go. We need to go. We should go. And he's like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> and the suit supply in Houston is amazing. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great store. store. It's huge. So we go in, and David just, like, is frothing at the gash <laughs> over over suit supply. Mm-hmm. It's hard and, to walk in that store and try something on and not buy it. I know. It's very hard. Yeah. And so, uh, which was kind of the point. Uh, <laughs> that's why I wanted to go. So we go and there's, you know, suits and shirts and ties and everything. Mm. And we meet this guy and his name is Alex. And we're all friends with him on Facebook and Instagram buddies. <laughs> and we text every once in a while now. But he's working there. Yeah. And he introduces himself and we walk around and, uh, you know, admiring the different fabrics and fits and mm-hmm. just the beautiful wonderfully constructed yeah reasonably priced suits and uh you know david i'm telling david to try things on like my one of my big passions is like shopping for other people basically yeah, yeah. so i'm you know getting things for david to try on because he looks like a, a model because he was a model and <laughs> <laughs> and so he's trying things on and and uh i'm just like oh man you gotta you gotta get you gotta get you gotta do this you just you it looks too good you can't you can't mm-hmm. walk out of here with this and he spent like twelve hundred dollars we spent like four hours in that store and that yeah that happens and i think i what did i bought a i bought a pair of shoes Okay. I bought a pair of shoes. So I didn't leave empty-handed that time. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't yeah. spend $1,200. You bought a tie, too. I bought a tie as well. So, so there's another 70 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had a good time. That but, sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly an enabler. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> could not agree more. Yeah. Well, you know, you just have to help people realize. What's the worst that could happen? You're broke for a little bit, I guess. Yeah. 
You can make that money back. And you can do it in a really nice cashmere top coat. <laughs> <laughs> you can. That's something we always find common ground in. We yeah. both really love suits. Yeah. So you work at Suit Supply. I work part-time at a Suit Supply. Let's yeah. talk about that. Chicago. What's there to say? I mean... Uh, let's talk about how uh, we are at this convention, and Kent Gunn, who is a phenomenal oh, yeah. man and magician, walks up to us. You were not in your suit yet. I was. I so, was. No, 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 no. This is beforehand. Oh, okay. So I don't think you were with me when he walks up. Okay. He walked because I guess he walked up he, to you twice. Yeah, he walked up to us when we were in the dealership. This is mm-hmm. beforehand. Okay. And Ryan and I had discussed beforehand that we were going to wear suits. At well, this I convention. Sent, I sent you a text. I said, "Would it be obnoxious if we wore suits?" And you go, "Yes, let's do it." <laughs> <laughs> so that was our discussion, and so uh, I brought three suits, and I'm at, I'm I'm here, and Kent walks up to me and he's like, "Elliot, I can spot you a mile away." You're the only person in this hotel whose clothes fit. <laughs> and then and then later you and I are standing mm-hmm. in standing, uh, in, the dealer's standing room. in the dealer's room and you were wearing a suit, mm-hmm. a suit supply suit. We're both wearing suit supply. And he comes up and he's like like flabbergasted. Yeah. <laughs> he's like not prepared to see another person in an exquisitely tailored suit. And he's like, you know, there's 300 people in this room. And two people's clothes fit. Two people's clothes fit. <laughs> you know? So it's important. I think it's important. The way you carry yourself and the way you present yourself is everything. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not everything, but it's like 80% of it, in my yeah. opinion. Like, if you show up to a gig <clears throat> and you're with torn up jeans and a, a vest that doesn't fit you and a hat. <laughs> Any kind of hat. Any kind of hat. <laughs> Your your asking price is going to go way down. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a couple people at the convention this this time were like, you know, you you should dress the way your audience dresses, and I mostly agree with that. You mm-hmm. should definitely not dress worse than your audience. Yeah, you don't want to dress below your audience, but you should, I think, <clears throat> dress slightly above your audience. You know why? Because you're the one that everybody's looking at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. <laughs> You are the performer. You're the person on stage, literally or metaphorically. Yeah. And, you know, you should take responsibility for that. You should show that you are, um, you know... A put-together person. Put-together person, and that you're uh, not wasting these people's time, that you respect them and their time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, so, what have you learned while working at Suit Supply? <laughs> So I only work there sometimes. I work part-time. Yeah. Um, when I was... So the way I got the job was really strange. Mm-hmm. You know, I... For a while, when I first moved to Chicago, I moved there for theater, but I was I was working full-time as a graphic designer mm-hmm. at home. So I, I moved to this big city, and I just worked and lived in this tiny apartment, you know? Yeah. And so that company eventually grew and got bigger and bigger. <clears throat> and then... Uh, they said, look, if you want to keep your full-time job that pays for everything, you have to move to New Jersey. Yeah. I said, well, that's an adorable idea. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so I just quit. I quit my job. Yeah. And so I had I had nothing, you know. I'm in this tiny apartment in Chicago. I live by myself, you know. And I didn't have a job. So I said, okay, well, I guess it's time to start doing theater. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I started full-time freelancing. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent every day 
at a new theater. I was hanging lights, or I was focusing lights, or I was running cable. Mm-hmm. You know, just anything to get into the space to meet those people, right? Mm-hmm. To make those connections. And I would do any job at that point, mm-hmm. right? Anything, anything. Just let me in, let me in, let me do it. Yeah, yeah. And so the the summer hit in, in Chicago, or I guess any big city, uh, the, the, the normal year, like the spring, winter, fall, like that, that's, that span mm-hmm. is really great for, for freelancing for in theater. And there's just a lot of jobs, especially mm-hmm. in like the, the behind the scenes work. Yeah. Right. But when summer hits, you know, half the city goes off and does summer stock somewhere, half all of the big theaters, they, they have one show that they run for like three and a half months. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're not on that show, like, well, <laughs> I'm out of work for three months, right? Yeah. So I had a friend who, who was the the head of the back of house at Suit Supply. Mm-hmm. He's also a magician in town, but I was just kind of poking around, and we it happened to be brought up that I was looking for work, and he's like, "Well, I'm looking for somebody to also help me at Suit Supply. You know, it's not in the in theater, but it's it's a nice gig. They pay well, and you know, mm-hmm. you have this sweet benefit of." You know, getting discounted suits. I'm yeah. like, okay, that's great. I'll do that. <laughs> right? Because yeah. um, that's an expensive habit to have if you're not making any money. I know. You know? <laughs> and so I started doing that just part-time. And then not too long after I started working there, I I uh, I, I picked up a show at Looking Glass Theater mm-hmm. Company. It's downtown in Chicago. It's it's an amazing company. I could rave forever about them. They just If you're ever in Chicago, see a Looking Glass show. They're unreal. You know, the things you see. Um, so I was doing, I was working suit supply in the morning, right? And then I was doing eight shows a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I was running the light board for it. And so it was a great part-time job. You know, I'd show up. I, I think I was doing shipping at the time. So I'd show up, ship like 30 suits, and then go to do a show. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, working there, you learn how to like carry yourself and how to dress properly and what looks good what doesn't look good Mm -hmm. what's worth getting what's not worth getting yeah so it was i think i've strayed away from the question but well what do you recommend to people as a suit supply employee what would you recommend to people i guess it depends on what they need you know Mm -hmm. i'm not a salesman so by no means am i like formally educated and yeah like how to dress and like what to recommend Mm mm-hmm but the colleagues I work with are so like they're great <laughs> to like pick brains with. You know? Yeah, if you're gonna get a suit for Magic, get one that you can wear every day. Don't buy like a super delicate fabric mm-hmm. because you're gonna blow out the crotch or you're gonna like you're gonna rub it down. You're gonna rip something. Yep. You know, like those those super one, uh, like the, the real one fifties or one sixties. Yeah, you want to wear them like once a month. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I have this fancy dinner. I'll wear this once and then I'll put it in my closet yeah you know so if you spend a, a thousand, special occasion yeah if you spend a thousand dollars on that suit for your gigs like, that seems foolish right you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna destroy that piece of clothing yeah you would that's that's gonna be a staple piece and that's another great thing about suit supplies that uh you know everything is time t- <clears throat> everything is timeless mm-hmm. uh it's not I mean, it's, it, there are they have trendier pieces. They do for sure, but it's all timeless. It's it it is will all stand the test of time, and it's all constructed so well that mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in like a ch- one of the lower end suit supply suits right now, mm-hmm. and it's you know 
half canvassed. There's it, yeah. it's just constructed. Yeah, definitely perfectly. You know, you, you, I mean, if you're doing, if you need a suit for gigs, get mm-hmm. like a, a super one ten suit, yep. like maybe a navy or a gray, something yep. you can wear with anything, right? Mm-hmm. You can change your shirt out. You can you know put any kind of shoes with it. Yeah, you need something that's versatile that you can. You can break apart if you need to. That's why I like navy suits. Mm-hmm. So you can break the blazer apart and wear it with khakis or yeah. or something else. But like those suits are going to get so much mileage. Yeah, absolutely. That's about the extent of my suit knowledge. Okay, we'll move on then. <laughs> Let's go into theater. What have you learned in theater? And uh, this is going to be a shorter episode than most, just because we have, have to, to get to the, the airport. airport but, yeah, yeah. What have you What have you learned in theater? One, theater is a lot of hard work. It's a lot like magic in a lot of ways. You know, you 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 work for what you get. Mm-hmm. You know, and theater is nice because it's it's so collaborative. Yeah, you know, you can't do theater by yourself. You know, you have to have the team. And it's weird because growing up doing magic, as a magician, you kind of teach yourself. It's like it's me against the world, right? It's like it's my material against like that guy. You know, that's at least how it feels when you're creating magic at a younger age. But then spending so much time in theater, you realize that, like, no, art is a collaborative thing. It's like, this art has been influenced by 30 people, right? Or bigger, more. Yeah. And so it's nice to see going back and forth that I take my magic and I can have an idea. And I, I, I think... I like to think that I'm, I'm very open about criticism. Mm-hmm. You know, like if somebody doesn't like something, I'll actually listen to it. Cause some people are like, yeah, give me some tips. Give me some ideas. And you're like, well, this doesn't look good. And they're like, Oh, well, uh, whatever. I'll do it anyway. Yeah. Right. And that's not constructive. That doesn't help anybody. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing it to like put you down. I'm not inflating my ego. Cause I could do something better. That's not, that's not what that's about. Yeah. Right. So theater is a really great way. It's, it's it levels the playing field a little bit, you know. It you look at magic in a different way, like the way you construct it, because you can like equate it, equate it to like plays or the way a show runs. You yeah. Know? So how so? What do you mean? I like to think of like say the 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 close up act I, I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I like to think of it. Uh, I have a great opener. I have a great closer and then it's about finding those those hills and valleys in the middle mm-hmm. right so I, I i tend to work on the beginning and the end and then i work my way to the middle mm-hmm. um how do you know when you've reached the middle i don't know if you ever do mm-hmm. i think part of the artistic nature is that you're never quite satisfied you know so you're always tweaking and pulling and changing yeah and that's like uh in, in theater like in a the week before a show, tech week, right? All of the designers are in the room. Everybody's there. You're running the show and you'll stop. If something doesn't look good, you'll stop and you'll fix it, right? Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how long it takes. It could take an hour. It could take 10 minutes. Yeah. It could take 30 seconds, right? But you stop and you put all your brain power on this one tiny thing that maybe nobody will notice. Mm-hmm. But you have this giant group of people that are paid to look at these small details. Yeah. Right? And so being able to, to look at your magic, constri- like the, the form of it in that kind of way. The big picture of the it. The big picture of it, but also zoom real close in and look at those micro details. Mm-hmm. I think that's something I've taken away that I really love. Yeah. You know, I don't look at it as like, 
this is a four ace trick. Yeah. You know, I like to look at the moments within tricks. Yeah. Uh, creating the cohesive experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's very theatrical as well. But again, it does come back to you, like, having the luxury of performing in a setting where that's... Where people are there to see magic. Key, yeah. yeah. Do you do any informal shows? Any performing outside of the theater? Or the lounge, rather? Yeah, I, I do gigs. Like, I do a lot of walk-around gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it de- some, are, some are a lot of fun. Some are not, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, it, it's funny, because performing in a lounge in the middle of the night for a bunch of drunk adults is, like, something I love. Yeah. But then the next day when you have to go, I did a, a walk-around gig at a, the Pandora Radio headquarters in Chicago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I showed up, and it was just kind of the weirdest experience ever, <laughs> you know? Why? Because it's, like, it's 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning, and everybody's at their desk, and I have... I guess the office manager just like parading me around to different people's desk doing card tricks, you know, and then they gather everybody together and they're like, here's your entertainment. And just like, this is so different than what I'm used to. So how did you handle that? What did you do? Did it go well? Uh, it's okay if it did not. I think it did. I like to think it did. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. I'd like to think that. No, I think it went well. Um, Cause I told him up front, I'm like, look, I, I'm not the kind of performer that loves getting up and standing in front of like, a giant group of people you know I, I like breaking down and like sitting with a small group and and doing it that way you know mm-hmm. i like i like i'd rather do something more intimate yeah i love the intimate nature of magic right i love because it's most for me it's all about that conversation mm-hmm. it's that back and forth i don't like a lot of like real scripted patter or really like l- super laid out things i like and that's i guess the chicago nature also right it's sit down it is very chicago yeah it's very chicago you know you sit down with your guests at a table and it's it's just a dialogue back and forth and then there happens to also be card tricks happening Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i love that so when i got there it was very like like, okay hold on this is very different (laughs) (laughs) because it's easy to get in that bubble and forget what the other situations are like Mm -hmm. yeah recently i was at a um a gathering of people for somebody's birthday not as a magician as mm. a friend of the person whose birthday was but i was asked to do magic and we're in this restaurant and we're at this long table and like <laughs> it was just the worst setting to do it yeah because nobody like nobody knew i was a magician mm-hmm. nobody want had like came to see magic yep like, I was asked to do a thing, and normally I would say no and make them ask several times. Yeah, I'm the same way. But it's their I'm birthday, the Yeah, and they're like, you know, and it just... <laughs> I did what is objectively killer material, and it was okay. Yeah. You know, like, like it's, it's well, there all those, about the setting and the context. There, and are, like, there are these situations that are so prime for magic, right? Mm-hmm. Where people have left let their guard down you know they're ready to to receive you know yeah a miracle mm-hmm. as ricky would say um but there are also those times where it's like brian does magic show him a trick and you're just like this is an awful this, time for magic yep like it's not gonna go over well you know mm-hmm. and i think the hardest part in magic is like learning to like know that situation yeah absolutely it also shows like like a lot of the young kids that i see they'll do one trick and then they'll do 10 more. Mm-hmm. You're like, if you would have done one thing, 
one thing. Yeah. It would have gone over exponentially better than if you had done the 10 things you did. Mm-hmm. Right? It's about showing restraint. It's about being a sniper than a sprayer. Yeah, definitely. You know, That's a good, yeah. good way of putting it. Yeah. I felt awful after that thing. <laughs> after that like, little birthday gathering. I was like, oh, fuck this forever. What did I do? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I was like, you know, I, I was fine. But it just, it was just all wrong. I just, I was like, I shouldn't have done it. And that's, you know, that's something that I have learned now. Well, learning in a safe space together. I think it's realistic to know that not every performance is going to be your best. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And you should know when it's not. Like, I'll, there are times when I'll do tables and I just like, I just don't think the energy was there. I don't, I don't know if I came across the way I wanted to. Yeah. I don't think they received it as well as I had hoped. Yeah. But then there are those times when it's like the people are perfect for the environment. Yeah. And everything just lands. Yeah. It's good to recognize when it doesn't work. And then. And that's okay. It's absolutely. It's great. Because then you can look at it and go, why didn't it work? What was it something I was doing? Was I not aware of the energy they were giving off? Was it, you know just not (laughs) what was it that just fucked the whole thing over Mm -hmm. and to them you know it may not have been bad or not good you know that's another thing it's like our experience of it is so different to their experience of it i guess because they don't have anything to compare it to right that's true as well most people in their life never see good magic Mm -hmm. you know so good magic is kind of this thing that we're bombarded with all the time and we see a lot of great magic yeah but we forget that joe schmo on the street has never seen anything besides like the guy that came to his son's party or yeah. something yeah you know or i saw this guy at this pizza place once and he did some card tricks it was mm-hmm. fine yeah you know i hate that stigma yeah. yeah that that preconceived notion of like what a magician is well that goes back to wearing a really good suit is you that's that's an immediate way for people to go oh this is not like a magician i've seen before yeah if that's your character right like it well and it is it's our character but (laughs) but it's going back yeah that's true i don't know how i feel about that i have many conflicting feelings Mm mm-hmm Cause they're like you know like Garrett Thomas, he he does his thing, yeah, and like he's so good that what I can't I can't be like you know wear a suit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it, to say that. and and also like just because of the venues and the type of magic he does it wouldn't really work for because mm-hmm. he does do pizza places and like he yeah. does seven restaurants a week or something yeah, um so it doesn't necessarily make sense but like for for guys that are going onto a stage make sure your damn clothes fit that's <laughs> not that's not a character thing that's a like a it's a life lesson that's thing. an that's an alpha thing you're on the stage make sure you're prepared i, I know a performer and he just lost a bunch of weight mm-hmm. right like a, a significant amount of weight thank you for noticing well, no. <laughs> but then he's still wearing <clears throat> the same suits as before and so it yeah it's this tiny little head poking out of this like giant suit yeah <laughs> right yeah and it just looked so silly he's like i don't know i'm waiting till i lose a, like 20 more pounds till i buy a new suit yeah like you needed a new suit like 
30 pounds ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when something just wholly doesn't fit, it's such, like, it's all I can look at. Yeah. It takes you completely out of the moment. Yeah. It's hard to do good magic when nobody's looking at your magic. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yes. It's definitely hard to have good magic. Well, um, we've done an hour, which is, you know, a little less than half of what I usually do. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're going to probably need to close it up here in a little bit. Probably probably the next 15, 20 minutes so that we can go get some some Waffle House. Oh, yes. (laughs) I'm in. Yeah. That'll be the third time we've had Waffle House in my glass. That'll be the fourth time I've had Waffle House. That will be four (laughs) meals in a row that I've eaten Waffle House. Did you guys go last night? Yeah, I went with that. Oh, man. I missed it. Yeah. That's all right. Um, Anyway. My my body needed a break. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to sleep on the plane for sure. Uh, But, uh, so what is it? How do you, how do you go about creating material? Because you're creative and the stuff, the stuff in the notes that you put out just now, some assembly required, Mm -hmm. is ridiculously creative and off the wall. And, uh, you know, the stuff in the stripper deck is unlike anything i'd ever seen Mm -hmm. so you know what is it that where do you get your ideas and how do you cultivate them it's so hard to pinpoint right all right well it was good talking to you (laughs) (laughs) we have to go (laughs) wrap it up kid uh that's a great question i I read a lot of like old magazines you know i i I file through like Like cosmo or like the old hugh guards and (laughs) cosmo Teen pop. What are they? I don't know. I don't know. I got another idea. Um, it's hard because it's like the the stripper deck stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It just came over me obsessing over it. It's like that's the deck I would hold for four years, mm-hmm. right? So everything I was playing with, I just had that in my hands. So there were times when I would just discover like small benefits, mm-hmm. right? Like for example, uh, Ricky's Cherry Control. Mm-hmm. I realized you could do it from a square deck using that mm-hmm. that principle and that's just like one small benefit right yeah. it's like oh that's already in position to do this move yeah so like that's one way you can come across it you just like stumble into it you mm-hmm. just have this discovery of here's this small benefit how do i take advantage of that right mm-hmm. so material can come from that um, material can also come from like these conferences like a lot of my stripper work was influenced uh there's a good chunk influenced by stuff Feldman showed me, mm-hmm. right? He's like, look at this weird riffle thing. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I went home and I obsessed over it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so a lot of material can come from that. Um, and I think most of it comes from that. I don't think I've ever sat down and was like, okay, I have to create now. I have to create a hundred tricks. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Never has that happened to me. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, there are those people who are just like, like, one of my biggest inspirations right now is Harapan. Mm-hmm. The dude is endlessly creative, mm-hmm. right? Because every day he sits down and he plays and he, he messes and he he looks at different things and the way he thinks is just so off the wall, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't feel like I'm that way. I think my stuff is more happenstance, you know? Well, but you have a lot more stuff than other people that I know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... I think that just comes what from is it? working. Yeah from doing it a lot mm-hmm. um because there's no one easy way of doing it right like yeah. there's no one solution like this is how you be creative yeah 
I think you just have to be open to ideas and to playing and you have to have other things to draw from. Yeah. You know, like that Pac-Man trick just came cause I really like Pac-Man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought it would be funny. Yeah. And that's fine. Sometimes tricks can start out as a joke and yeah. then evolve into a full thing. Mm-hmm. You know, something Caveney said too yesterday is, you know, a trick is never finished. Never. And, you know, so there's like, you have published this Pac-Man trick and you have moved away from it. Mm-hmm. And there are like a couple things in it where you're like, I don't like this part of the mm-hmm. method, but you know, overall the effect is still very strong and cool and yeah. funny. And What's that saying? Things are never finished. They're just abandoned. <laughs> right. Yeah. <clears throat> and like the, the book with Feldman, it's like that material I still perform and I still use I'm still tweaking it, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm not done finessing that material. Yeah. I just think it's finally ready to share, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's okay. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. I know that's not, like, a definite answer, but it's it's probably not even half of an answer. (laughs) It's probably not half of an answer. I just got like a big whiff of cologne. Probably did. Probably did. (laughs) Probably did. Did you put on my cologne, David? Yes, sir. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) David Yannick, everybody. Best friends here. Um, yeah. God, that smells good. (laughs) 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 Uh, uh, yeah. So... What was your so we we talked about favorite things at the convention? What was the hardest time you were ever fooled? Oh man, there's so many. Oh well, we have several minutes. There's so many. Um, Tell all the stories. When I was younger, at a TU, this is one thing that I'll always stick in my mind. I was probably eighteen, seventeen, eighteen at a TAOM, and we were in the lobby, just watching uh, Michael Weber and. Danny Garcia go back and forth Mm -hmm. and Weber would show something just unreal and then he'd look up at Danny and he'd be like oh yeah you're using that thing and I'm just like what the fuck are they talking about like I have no (laughs) idea what's going on but I remember and this might be a false memory who knows right Mm -hmm. but I remember shuffling my cards and then putting them in the card case and Weber's like Ryan uh, name any card I'm just like queen of hearts Mm -hmm. he goes cool Take out your cards, spread them on the table. I did, and there was a face down card on my deck. I like, <laughs> turned it over, and it's the Queen of Hearts, and it just like destroyed. That's the craziest thing. Yeah, it's just like, and that could not even be what happened. But yeah. <laughs> you know, that could but be a complete lie. But that's yeah. what I remember, and that's magic. Like that's. Uh. And I remember he looked up at Danny, and he's just like, "Yeah, just using that one thing and that one idea." And Danny's like, "Oh yeah, that's a great idea." <laughs> I'm just like, I have no idea what they're talking about. So they were cool. clearly fucking with you. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> just taking advantage of this child. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun. I love it. I yeah. wonder... No, never mind. We'll talk about it off the thing. <laughs> Why, is there anything else? Anything that you want to talk about that we didn't talk about? We got a couple minutes left if you want. I don't know. What do you normally ask people at this point? Uh, at this point, we're usually uh just i don't know ending <laughs> that's fair um what are you is it i mean you know you're a listener 
I am a listener. I'm an avid listener. Is there anything? That it's you funny. Want I was listening about? to Feldman's podcast. Yeah, and I just texted him the whole time. <laughs> again, he's a lawyer, so he doesn't text back yeah. very often. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm an avid listener. Um, so you know how it goes. What do you want to? Is there anything you want to talk about before we end? Are you too hungry? <laughs> it's been a long weekend, man. It's been I a really. Like, I feel like my my brain is just kind of in a mess it's, on it's the floor. Machine. Well, we'll do it again sometime when we have more time and we can sit down and. Run. Yeah, we absolutely should. Yeah. We need to come out. Well, here I want to get out to LA. Mm-hmm. I you should need, go to the castle. I need to go to the castle. I'd like to perform at the castle at some point. I think I could do it. I think I could do it. Okay. So that's kind of a goal I have for myself. That's cool. We'll make that a 2017 goal. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. I'm in. Cool. I'll just stand outside and do tricks when people walk in. <laughs> <laughs> I count it. That that counts. That counts. All right. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. <laughs> Enjoy your burrito. That's how nervous always in those podcasts. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so shoot me an email at podcast at artofmagic.com or send me a message on the Magical Thinking Podcast Facebook page. If you enjoyed this episode, please support the show by sharing it on social media and letting others know why you loved it. I'll see you next Thursday. Cheers.